0: This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to another exciting episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Eddie. I'm Pat. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome everybody. We have another awesome episode lined up for you, ready to go. Eddie, you said this is episode number eighty.
1: Oh no, we're well into the eighties here. We're so into we,
0: the eighties. Okay. We
1: stopped. We stopped keeping track of episode numbers because it was just kind of like let's just have fun. We're technically. We Want to get technical? This is our eighty-fifth episode.
0: If you you know factor in the holiday specials and whatnot.
1: Yeah, everything. Eighty-six to be precise. Actually,
0: eighty-six. 86. We've got there one we go. More going up hot and fresh later today. So. We're gonna have to do something special for the for our century mark.
1: One hundred.
0: Uh, nothing more paranormal than allergies, am I right, Pat?
2: Uh, yeah, mine have been quite paranormal lately. Part of it is we're in the process of uh, getting our house ready to move, and and so I'm battling dust every weekend.
0: So paranormal pollen. Oh gosh. It, yeah. Poor Pat. This this episode is unofficially sponsored by Benadryl, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah,
1: Zertex in the back corner. Like we almost got the we almost got the plug. <laughs> almost Benadryl <laughs> when you when when you want to have amnesia after you take your <laughs> allergy
2: medicine. I put my rescue inhaler in a holster. I wear it on my hip. <laughs> Pat's
1: got a holster. <laughs> He's Like. <laughs> 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 Yeah. It's well, tough everyone's tough.
0: baseline lately is just like sneezy, coffee, or a drippy, runny nose. I mean, basically a pandemic's worst nightmare. A couple of years ago, we would have, uh, you know, shunned a person if they so much as sniffled, but I think everyone has got a case of the sniffles nowadays. Uh, but we're not here, ladies and gentlemen. We're not here to talk about allergies. We're here no. to smack you in the face with a fistful of paranormal goodies and i do believe if i'm not mistaken eddie are you on recent today
1: i am on recent uh uh, like you just said it's a fistful of sasquatches in fact it's not a fistful of sasquatches but it is a a fistful of something even just as cool we're going to talk about johns on recent sightings All right. Welcome to Recent Sightings. I didn't recently cite giants, although I did see a giant in the uh, psychic community, Mr. Andy
0: Myers, doing his thing online with the So Strange episodes. I, I keep them coming, man. Those So Strange episodes, I'm just cranking those bad boys out like doohickeys in a factory. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. and it, Anyone listening, give it a listen if you're into this kind of stuff. But, uh, so you have a giant sighting for, for Recent, Eddie?
1: Yes, so in the grand tradition of recent for us, uh this was uh recently uh, discovered in 2017. I thought you were going to say still, 1800s. 18 well <laughs> One of the connecting things to this does go back to uh the 1900s, so there's that much, but uh but yeah, this has been a series of uh of sightings if you will or discoveries of this evidence and it's just enough To keep you interested, uh, for sure. And so, um, here we go. Travel with me, if you will, back to 2017, but also across the ocean to the uh, the island country. I believe it's an island, Sardinia, and uh, a farmer is plowing his fields in Sardinia, getting ready to do his thing. It's always some rural dude trying to just make a living. You notice this when people find me.
2: Is that where sardines are grown? That's where they grow
1: sardines, Pat. Fields of sardines as far as the eye can see.
2: Smells a little. See how they plow them.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Got to go harvest. Got to go peel the sardines off the stems. Um, and so uh, the farmer is out plowing his field in Sardinia and comes across a what he believes is a giant boulder, and he's moving this giant rock to clear his field. And the boulder is not a boulder; it is chiseled into the shape of a human head, but it's huge. And so he's like, "Okay, what do I do about this giant, you know, head? What do I do?" He got a hold of some local archaeologists; <laughs> they look into it. Sorry, there's the allergies <laughs> right sneezing there. Sneezing going on another <laughs> recent sighting. I'm allergic to sardines. What do you want from me, man? <laughs> Giants make me sneeze. The uh, uh, the archaeologists like, this is a, a significant um, lore. This is like the, <laughs> the sick house. <laughs> um, uh, the archaeologists point out, like, this is not just a, a a statue head. This is a larger thing here. They they basically quarantined off the field, plowed some more, found all these other stone giant figures of warriors and archers and fighters and. All these statues were between eight and nine feet tall. So initially they're like, okay, these are just, you know, statues. How cool is that? There's nothing weird about that. Well, what they realized was that these statues were basically like uh, paying homage to these actual people that were in certain historical records. And they tied the statues to this nearby um, grave site that was basically the, the lore behind this grave site was that giants were buried here. Big tall people. And they said, um, descendants of people from Athens, uh, were warriors over here in, in Sardinia. And so this, this, uh, this persistent story of this was kind of cooked into the, uh, the, the culture of Sardinia. Here's what happens though. In 1975, going back a little bit further, um, there were giant skeletons that were recovered from a town in southwest, um, Sardinia called Taralba. and um, several nine foot tall human skeletons were excavated um, in 1975 in this in a similar well not not the exact same region but very close to that region.
0: So they were kind of paying tribute to these you know giants from Athens which is kind of weird I thought I thought Greek people were uh, notoriously a little shorter than the average bear well even like ancient
1: people in general they are going into like, you know, tall people, you know, several thousand years ago, weren't as tall as they are now, even with nutrition and all yeah. this stuff that we know um, to kind of connect these two ideas. Um, Cause this has happened a lot. I mean, we, in our several episodes before we've talked about, you know, giants being sighted or seen, or just, you know, local people telling stories about seeing giants. And in one case in South America, there was a, some giants that were messing around with construction equipment that was clearing out forest and and local indigenous people were like, Yeah, man, like they came over and they remember the construction equipment had been moved, been like physically right. like picked up and moved somewhere else. And so they're like, Yeah, the giants did that. We saw them. And there were like drag marks from this equipment just being dragged to a whole new place.
0: Not just, driven. Not yeah. Just like it was a kid with a Tonka truck, just like it was nothing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just some. They were saying, uh, uh, but once again, between nine and like twelve feet tall, uh, you'll see. It, and one of the things they had there was that they had red hair too. That was a big, a big thing with these giants. Um, so connecting this recent sighting uh, between 2017, 1975, and going a little bit further to kind of poke fun with what, with what Andy had said, 1911. Uh, in Lovelock Cave, Nevada, and we may have mentioned this but in in the past, but uh, Professor J. C. Jones sounds like almost like Indiana, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Not Doctor, Professor. Like you don't call me Doctor Jones, Professor Jones. Uh, and his assistant were uh, out searching Loveland Cave, looking for bat guano, and for anyone out there in the uninitiated, guano is poop. Okay. <laughs> Um, and it's used in like it was used in like cosmetics and other stuff. And you're like, hmm. Got to work on my complexion. Got to rub
0: some bat poop on my un, under my eyelids. Make who, me look young again.
1: Who was the person who's like, man? I got to fill my pores in. I know. Is
2: that why they call it? Or was it day Toilet? Yeah, there's Isn't that a exactly. thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but they they should Ode Bat Toilet. Um. So they go into these caves, literally trying to basically collect bat guano and, and also for some studies. And they come across not one, not two, not three, not the licks that takes you to the center of a Tootsie Pop. They find 45 giant skeletons ranging between seven and eight feet tall. Uh, and the funny part, again, that these giant uh, skeletons had red hair. And again, coming back down to seven to eight feet tall, maybe not doesn't sound terribly tall as far as what what we would say is a giant per se. But for thousands of years ago, when the average height was like five foot something, you know, you're not getting Six foot tall was not the average height of a dude. It was like five, six you know so if that i, I mean if that that yeah.
0: that might even be considered a little on the a little high on, little on the small. taller side yes yeah, so you get giants seven eight feet tall i mean that would be the yeah. modern day equivalent of like an eight nine foot tall person i yeah. mean quite literally a giant what is it with the red hair though is there any theories as to what why, why all these giant have uh red hair i mean there's everything from
1: you know red hair being kind of a a, a throwback kind of thing. I mean, it is like kind of what it say. It's like a recessive gene, like not many people have it. And so it's, and, and, and it is, there is some theories behind the idea of that being a, a tie to like the whole Nephilim or Nephilim, how you want to pronounce it. Um, where it's another kind of a part t- type type feature, you know, like most people either have dark hair or light hair, but having that red is kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, I think it's another, another indicator of, you know, being unique in that sense but that's been a persistent thing with uh with these giants having having red hair so and not just there too there was uh, stories of um like i said the south american giants red hair there was a series i think the ones in those burial mounds out, up in ohio um same thing red-haired giants uh is tied to those those stories so yeah, pretty interesting finding, uh, like I said, uh, these statues uh, were not necessarily, they're tied to these actual grave sites, but the grave sites are alleged and, and legend to be connected to these giant tall warriors from Athens.
0: I think giants are attention seekers. That's what I think. You know, not only Divas. as if seven, eight, nine feet tall doesn't separate you, you know, from the crowd, you know, you also, I know I also need to have reddish orange hair so people can really, you know, spot me from a distance. Yeah. They were all big, eyes on me.
1: Big rings, <laughs> like a lot of attention, gra- scarves, floppy hats. They're like, listen, <laughs> I'm getting all the attention.
0: Just flamboyance as i get out. <laughs> Oh, boy.
1: Pat went to high school with a bunch of giants. That was kind of his, the crowd he ran with.
2: There uh, there were there were some tall basketball players, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. They probably took that, my books down the hallway a few times. And sure. Pat's, Pat's
0: no slouch. How tall are you, Pat?
2: Uh, I'm pushing six foot. I always say 5'11", because I, I don't want to take credit for that extra one inch until I'm <laughs> well over six foot. It's just Pat's personality. I don't, I don't personality. think I'm ever going to get there.
1: Pat's personality makes him seem even taller, like because he looks seven foot tall when when I'm talking to him. <laughs>
2: and Eddie's full of it too.
1: Yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm a giant, but in a different way. <laughs> He's giantly full of doo doo, full of guano. Um, but yeah, no this uh, this sighting thing is something else. I have a soft spot for giants. I just love it. I love the notion that there are. You know, and I do wonder about the connection between giant humans and Sasquatch as well. Like what kind of connectivity that that could have. Um, but I am thoroughly convinced that it is, uh, it is tied to like, um, inner earth type stuff as well. They're like the, these people are just hiding in these like
0: labyrinthian caves underground and that's how we're able to not see them. Eddie, you kind of have a soft spot for both sides of the spectrum because you love giants, but you know everybody also knows that you love garden gnomes. That's kind of also your trademark thing, I know, right?
1: Right, right. I'm all about like the the uh, the extremes.
0: What about a little gnome that's uh, doing a piggyback ride on top of a giant? There would you, you just go. Would you just like, you know, Eddie would have stars in his eyes.
1: Or you have a, uh, or you have the classic where you have like the uh, the giant that wishes he was a gnome. So he's like wearing the pointy hat and hanging out. With, all he hangs out with
2: is other gnomes.
1: And they're like, dude, you're a, you're a giant. We hate to tell you this. Kind of <laughs> like
2: Will Ferrell and Elf, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, the same thing. You got exactly. a big. Exactly. Hanging, hanging out with elves.
1: So I've always had an affinity for for uh, gnome culture, though. I really have. <laughs> and likewise, you have a gnome that's convinced he's a giant. He's like, nope. He's got he's dyed his hair red. <laughs> he's hanging <laughs> wearing, out <laughs> wearing platform shoes to make him a couple inches inches taller. Exactly. He's rocking a solid, like, you know, he's like he's fourteen inches tall. He's like, I am a giant in gnome terms. So you just stay <laughs> off of this uh I, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I do. I have a soft spot for gnomes, giants, uh, you know, and aliens. So there we go. <laughs> it's all it's all coming together. But yeah, I I love it when there's a si- a sighting of any sort of uh giant skeleton found oh one common thing that connects all of these giant skeleton findings um especially the skeletons the the giant people again it's like you're never you know and when you do capture anything on video there's always people who are like that's not what it is It's dumb it's fake um these giant skeletons get found discovered people point them out and the minute that there's any ability for someone to come out they get they get disappeared
0: real quick yeah, government the- snatches it up or, you know, secret military operation, something. Then they just, yeah, just disappear. That was the
1: case with the Sardinian uh, giant skeletons. Uh, went back to find them again, gone. And then the uh, exact same situation with these 45 skeletons found in Nevada. Uh, went back, reported it, went back to go get them to show more people, and gone.
0: Disappeared. It's bizarre. It's wicked it's bizarre.
1: Wicked bizarre. It's it's happened again. Like uh, uh, the ones that were way up uh, northwest, even the skeletons that were found up there, uh, gone again. Like there, it does smack of there's some larger story that just cannot get out. Like nope, you cannot know that there were like giant people roaming the earth and just picking up dudes
0: like GI Joe figures, <laughs>
1: <laughs> smashing <laughs> them together.
0: It's it's bizarre. It's I love bizarre. it. And we it. may never have answers, but that won't stop us from looking. Uh, thanks, thanks, Eddie, for that segment. I think next we have uh, Pat with Pop Culture and the Paranormal.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to take you boys to school. Ooh.
1: It's time for Pop Culture
2: and the Paranormal. All right, so uh, I've had college on the brain lately, which is kind of funny since we're getting towards the end of school right now, but uh, my son is getting ready uh, in a a very short few months to be going off to college, and um, so I thought we'd talk about uh, some college courses that cater towards the paranormal that I... uh, Was able to uncover Uh, This uh, First group of courses Comes from a uh, Article on CollegeExpress.com It's an article by Rebecca Baer And uh, it's called The Top 8 Spooky Colleges College Courses of All Time So I'm not going to cover all 8 of them But I'm going to mash in Another website's uh, list And uh, so it, It should give you plenty of options if you're a high school student looking to go to college next year and you still haven't uh, signed your commitment papers. well here are some ideas.
1: I'm so, a major in spookology.
2: Here we go. <laughs> that's right. Um, first one is uh, a course called Zombies at John Hopkins University in Baltimore. It attempts to explain why zombies have become so popular in modern media. It explores the origination of the zombie and how it's evolved over time. And it also pays special attention to the idea of zombies in cultures with slavery. So that sounds like an interesting interesting
0: one. I think zombies are kind of uh, big in in Haitian culture, right? Right. You know, I've read stories, uh, you know, there's certain elixirs. You know, you get into voodoo and there's certain elixirs and potions that you can give people. Basically puts them into a zombie state. And I think in, uh, you know, generations past, before we knew too much about science, there were a lot of people that were like catatonic or, you know, they didn't think to check for a pulse or anything back then. But some people were literally buried alive, you know, thinking mm-hmm. that they were dead. And then, you know, come to find out they they woke up and it was too late because they had already been buried. So.
2: And what the, uh, you know, the advent of so many different zombie TV shows and video games, you know, that. The younger generation is is really uh, into zombies these days, so I can see how that class would have some appeal for them.
1: Also, the first uh, two, three years of having a kid, Turns you into a zombie. You're just walking around,
0: bump, <laughs> bumping into walls, <laughs> falling over things. It's good. S- sleep deprivation is very real. Oh yeah, you find a new way to operate. That's you can sure. eat anything and it doesn't matter. You're like,
1: oh, what is this is brains. Doesn't matter. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm
0: so and hungry. Half, and half the time you're eating off a Tupperware lid because all the dishes are dirty because exactly. you, you're too busy tending to the baby to wash the plates.
2: All you need is is a solid surface. That's all. Yep. You need. The table will do. It's fine.
1: Are you even a dad if you've not eaten ramen noodles out of a coffee filter? At least once in your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Cause I say you're not.
2: <laughs> so if you're closer to the Philadelphia area, you could go to the University of Pennsylvania and check out folklore and the supernatural. Uh, it's a class that explores the human relationship with ghosts, fairies, vampires, witches, and other supernatural phenomena. So uh, up the, uh, I guess, I think it'd be down the road a little bit uh, in Georgetown near D.C. You could uh, take the Witches and Witchcraft course, which explores witchcraft in Europe and how the phenomenon reached Salem, Massachusetts, home of the famous witch trials. place where Andy's going to (laughs) be taking off.
0: Too. Yeah, yeah, I would I would love to visit Salem. I was actually supposed to visit Salem last fall and, you know, my back flared up at the at the worst time ever. But when you said witchcraft and wizardry, I'm thinking is this a university at Hogwarts or <laughs> Exactly. You're <laughs> a wizard, Andy. I just I love
1: it. And you know, it's half of it is all Puritan stuff. It's the funniest thing. It's like the harder they push against a thing, it almost makes it more interesting for people. They're like, "Wait a minute." Am witch? <laughs> I think I want
2: to be a witch. Yeah, and this class also covers um, not just the Puritan stuff, but also African and Native American beliefs. As well. Oh, nice. So and the impact, colonization, the ideas of goodwill and evil and, and things like that. Uh, instructors apparently use a variety of resources in this particular class, including trial records, plays, music, and even material objects like witch bottles and implements of torture so apparently a witch bottle is something that was used back in the day uh, to uh, protect against people used these to protect against witchcraft they carry around these bottles usually some kind of a medicine man with these together often contain uh, the victims uh, fingernails or urine or other Mm. uh, fun bodily parts you know, parts is parts.
1: you got to love, like, the notion of, like, growing up in Salem at that time, and you're going to school, and your mom is like, now be sure to put your witch bottle around your neck, and
0: it's, like, full of, like, you know, <laughs> someone's pee, and you're like, oh,
1: oh, oh. I don't want to wear the witch bottle. You wear the witch bottle, you know, protects you.
0: Sounds like a darn tootin' good time. Where were these classes when I was in college, taking macroeconomics and trying not to fall right. asleep, man?
2: Well, it's funny. My, uh, one, one of the things that gave me the idea for this segment is my nephew is a student here in Omaha at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, and uh, he was sitting in class one day. It was, a, I believe he's a science class, and I, a seven-foot Wookiee come walking into the room. I mean, it, it, it looked just like Chewbacca. Nice. Well, apparently that day they were talking about some paranormal things, and the, the uh, teacher decided to dress up like a Sasquatch. And so he's wearing a Chewbacca outfit uh, complete with um, uh, platform shoes and the costume. So he did stand like seven feet tall. That's amazing. So very cool.
1: I did not have a cool so, yeah, like thing. It's, it's cool to see <laughs> teachers,
2: you know, to, to see teachers lighten up enough to to do stuff like that. I think it's very cool. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the ex- expository expository writing the underworld at Harvard University so uh, this class attempts to explain how and why the underworld has stood the test of time by exploring the archetypes and depictions of the underworld from ancient literature along with modern books and movies it also tries to get to the bottom of why the underworld is getting reimagined so uh, Harvard also features other spooky courses like biopolitics and vampire aesthetics and the supernatural storytelling ghost lore occult legends and the politics of the paranormal so all kinds of good stuff there so study hard kids one day you'll get to harvard and be able to study about paranormal politics
1: I want to go to a class where I can just roll in there with, like, a Ouija board and a, <laughs> you know, in the spirit box and be like, I'm going to school.
0: <laughs> Vampire aesthetics. What is that like? They show you how to apply makeup to your face to make you look more pale? You know, a little right. drip of blood from your lip, maybe? It's all glitter. It's like, these are
1: these are Twilight vampires.
2: That would be kind of cool to break the kids up into groups of four and everybody uh, put their hands on the Ouija board and see what happens with the span of an <laughs> hour. Oh, man. Mm. Haunted screen, understanding the horror film, the University of Arizona. It attempts to understand what causes fear and how backgrounds can affect what scares us. It examines fear through the lens of horror movies across the ages. So you're sitting in class and you're watching horror films. So... I don't have that's what I'd want to do, quite honestly. Not do not they yet.
1: do, like, a correspondence? Can we do this, like, on the, online?
2: <laughs> oh, I would imagine. I I guess you'd have to go look at their uh, curriculum or whatever. And uh, see if they do. So, um, University of Arizona also offers creepy courses like uh, a humanities seminar on the paranormal, the supernatural, and the human experience. There's another one at uh, over at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire it's called the Undead South we were talking about that earlier horror and haunting in the U.S. Southern in U.S. Southern literature so it's to understand the horror of the American South through racial cultural historical economic and political lenses by looking at classic gothic literature modern interpretations of the undead and uh, this course explores how the south became a place rich in haunting history.
0: Well, that's appropriate. The South is a you know notoriously uh, just jam packed full of you know violence and battles and history and uh, you know I think it goes without saying that the South and the paranormal go hand in hand. You no, know, especially places you know you got you know uh, New Orleans and you know maybe no battles have taken place there per se, but kind of a hotbed of you know just paranormal activity in general.
2: Oh yeah, like you said earlier, you know, voodoo is a big thing down there, and, yeah. and uh, people say that stuff's real. Voodoo, so,
1: nothing <laughs> worse than hillbilly ghosts. <laughs> once you get a once you get a hillbilly ghost, you're just like, oh man, that's a whole new level, ghost.
2: <laughs> so uh, they never leave. <laughs> you can go to Penn State and uh, take English one thirty one. It's called Weird Tales: Literature a Horror and the Supernatural and explores the long tradition of ghosts, the supernatural forces, and horror in literature. So you probably be reading some Poe in there, reading probably yeah. the Raven, stuff like that.
1: Gotta love some Poe. Um,
2: yeah, George Mason University in Virginia aims to connect folklore and the supernatural in, in English 414, where students study supernatural phenomena and paranormal experiences as it is written about in everyday life so you'll probably be talking a lot about discovery type uh shows and about uh the university of North texas offers anthropology 4751 in supernatural magic witchcraft and religion which focuses on the anthropological side of comparing religious and supernatural beliefs across cultures so uh, you know they take a lot of you know religion and, and other things that are included in into some of these classes. It's not all zombies.
1: And, I was gonna say yeah, they, you kind of have to, right? Like you can't like the right. One to I the mean you gotta make it, not right.
2: You gotta make it a valid because that's for a lot of this stuff is based on, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, here's a, for the, the art student, uh, art history through. 3770 at uh, Utah State University uh, study disaster and dystopia in Hollywood Hollywood film where you will examine movies that deal with apocalyptic scenarios alien invasions religious raptures, and other distressing subjects so, ooh, that'd be fun.
0: Uh, reminds me of uh, one of my favorites 2012 you know starring uh, John Cusack. Uh, oh yeah, you know, kind of apocalyptic, oh, yeah. end of the world, Mayan prophecy kind of deal coming true. And then more recently, if we're talking about you know religious and kind of end of the world type stories, there I haven't yet watched it, but there's an M Night Shyamalan movie, uh, A Knock at the Cabin, I believe it's called. Oh. Okay. And, and it, yeah, it's a new one. Like it's, right. I think it's streaming that's, that's on that's Apple really well. or Peacock or something. But yeah, it's has to do with uh, you know these kidnappers force their way into a cabin and you know kind of force this family to make some tough decisions or else the it's the end of the world and i I don't know what the twist ending is but it is like it's like the 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 kidnappers are like religious fanatics and then it's like cutting it's like the b-roll is like cut scenes of like tsunamis and things like actually happening in the world oh wow that this family has to sacrifice one of their family members to make it all stop and i I don't know what the twist is like i don't know if it's if it's all delusion or if it's real or what but
1: this is like the binding of Isaac, that Bible story. You know, when he's like, God's like, hey, Abraham, take Isaac, tie him up, and kill him. <laughs> and Abraham's like, okay. He's like, all right. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> and then right before, he's like, psych, don't do it. I was kidding. I was testing you. You're <laughs> talking about
0: psychological warfare. I know. you like,
1: ah, okay, a little weird. All right. <laughs> it was just a joke. Let's okay? go get dinner.
0: <laughs> when you mentioned goof. Bye.
2: Finding of Isaac. I was thinking about the video game.
1: That's a video game too, which is crazy. Oh, my son used
2: to play it all the time.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, tied, uh, the pun intended, to that to that story. Uh, to that story, there's 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 references to that Bible story in there. I'm
2: sure. So all finally, right, um, I've got one more in Utah uh, at BYU University. Um, this is Anthropology 440, named. The end of the world as we know it, which is kind of a, the RM song. A the R. M.
1: reference there.
2: But uh, it's, of course, analyzing groups whose beliefs and doctrines of millenniums, apocalypses, utopia shape their concept of the end of days. So you almost kind of get into uh, some of the cults, I would imagine, in that class. And uh, some scary stuff there, too. So, anyway. If you're man. still looking for a tool, there's some options for it.
1: Please tell me you told Colton to take at least one paranormal class.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he'll probably find some at some point. So You don't come back to this
1: house unless you're doing something paranormal.
2: <laughs> I told him first year, focus on the basics. Just get the, the required stuff out of the way as fast as you can. Right, the that, basics. That's Werewolves. That's UFOs. <laughs> UFOs. Oh, man.
1: Well, thank you for that, Pat. Uh, for we're going to get our our caps and gowns, and get ready to graduate to the main mystery.
2: And now it's time for the
0: main mystery. (laughs) All right, boys, for the main mystery, I did some digging, and I was thinking, what's a topic that we haven't yet covered on the show? Oh, man. And here's what I came up with, by location. Aka be in two different places at the same time. Now oh. there's a little bit of physics that actually lends quite a bit of validity to this, you know, paranormal fringe subject. And in the physics realms, it's known as quantum superposition. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about when things get—I think Einstein called it "spooky action at a distance." Right? Mm-hmm. You have uh, waves and particles, and particles and waves, and what's what, and they're trying to figure it out with all their microscopes and their doohickeys. Waves and particles and quarks and up quarks and down quarks and the you know all the all the weird stuff they're studying at that large hadron collider out in Switzerland right yeah so but there was a study done uh they call it quantum superposition in other words it is possible for a a bit of matter a tiny itty bitty bit of matter to be in two different places at the same time which yeah. the implications for this are huge because in a scaled up sense if if the physics checks out on larger uh, you know things such as human beings uh, it might be possible you know can we be living multiple lifetimes at once can we right. be in two different places at once and then this opens up a whole nother can of worms you know we, we go down the the road of like uh, multiverses and time travel and you know my goodness we could do a whole season on this
1: yes we could yeah. we should
0: <laughs> <laughs> But by location, so just, you know, a dumbed-down version of all the physics stuff we were just talking about. But there's been a lot of cases throughout history, uh, past and present, uh, that, you know, people be in two different places at the same time. You know, there's numerous uh, saints and monks, actually, that had allegedly bilocated. Uh, You have uh, St. Anthony of Pauda. Uh, You have St. Ambrose of Milan, St. Cerverus of Ravina. And possibly the most famous of all these is Padre Pio of Italy, who on multiple occasions was seen at two different places at the same time. Uh, One interesting case uh, going back to 1774, just two years before we kicked the British butt. Yeah, Um, I digress. Uh, But in 1774, uh, you have St. Alphonsus, which is an awesome name, by the way. But he was fasting. So get this, guys. He was fasting inside of a, a room or a cell, as they call it. Uh, and he was fasting. He was in there minding his own business. And in, in the morning time, he comes out and he's like, hey, everybody, I, I went somewhere else last night, you know, through meditation, through prayer. And where he went, allegedly, was to the bedside of Pope Clement Fourteenth, who was basically on his deathbed. And, you know, people are like, no, you weren't. You didn't go anywhere. You know, that Pope Clement is for, you know, a four day journey away. It would take forever to get there. Um, but he said, no, I, I was there, you know, and I, I saw him pass away. Nobody believed him until word got back that Pope Clement the Fourteenth actually did pass mm-hmm. away that night. And not only that, but people in uh, Pope Clement's, um, you know, facility or castle or whatever uh, saw uh, St. Alphonsus appear mysteriously and vanish mysteriously. So two different places at the same time. I believe Uh, I've
2: heard that story before.
0: Yeah. Homeboy, just like, I don't know, he went through a portal or time traveled or, you know, uh, bending the laws of space and time. And. So check this out, guys. This is kind of cool. It makes me wonder if this is one of my distant ancestors. But in the 19th century, um, there were a lot of reports of bilocation and they were kind of collected by Frederick W. H. Myers, right? Spelled Ooh. the same as my last name. Ooh. And he, <laughs> this is cool. He was one of the founders of the Society for Psychical Research in London. So it makes go. me wonder if my, you know, my great, great, great grandpappy in England, but he uh, he founded this you know this organization and uh, he published some of these uh, stories of bilocation in a article or book called Human Personality and Its Survival of Bodily Death. Now this Ooh. was published in 1903. But one of the cases uh, that he included in this writing was uh, had to do with a father and two daughters. So the father was a hunter. Uh, he and his two daughters were kind of out with. Uh, I guess, horse and carriage kind of riding through the countryside. The girls wanted to go back home. uh, So the stagecoach person person takes the girls and they were going to go back home while the father stayed out hunting a bit longer. So a little ways, you know, the, the girls are headed back home and they see their dad atop a white horse, which was his horse. And he was far away, but close enough that they could see that the insignia or the brand on his hat matched like the company's logo or whatever so they knew it was their dad it was the same horse it was him he had his gun he was dressed the same and he actually waved to them he gave him a little wave he was up on a kind of like a hilltop they were in a little ravine and so mm-hmm. they waved back but the horse looked all muddy and disheveled and they were like oh my gosh what the heck happened was there some sort of an incident you know we'll have to ask him about that later so the girls make it home And when the dad arrived later that night, they asked him, they said, Hey, we saw you on the hillside waving to us, but what happened to your horse? It looked, you know, totally dirty. And did did you fall or was there, what happened? And he said, "I, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, I never saw you. I never waved to you. We had no incident. The horse is clean. Um, And there was no, (laughs) there was no answers. It it was almost as like, this was a, like a doppelganger or Mm -hmm. a double self, you know, like a different version of this guy, maybe in a different reality. He waved to them and and had an incident with the horse getting dirty, but it, it truly is weird stuff. Right.
1: I love this. I love the idea of being able to like almost like split or even like you said, like another version of yourself dips into our reality for a short bit. Um, this reminds me of a thing I've written down in my handy-dandy notebook. I say notebook. There's several of them now. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the ideas I have, and this might be a teaser for a future main mystery. It's actually called the Gateway Process. And it's. And Andy's nodding like he's heard of this before. It is a, a federal government-sanctioned, recognized uh, method for astral projecting leaving your body and there's actually a process you can do it takes about a week apparently to kind of learn how to do it but there's a systemic step-by-step thing that literally anyone can do this and it, it involves listening to like different harmonics and stuff to get your your ability your your body and your mind able to separate your consciousness and then put it anywhere you want to go and so it stands to reason that like people have maybe done this by accident or just like you said, timing is such that they just happen to be right place, right time. And all of a sudden there's a whole nother version of themselves
0: waving high on a muddy horse, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm pretty sure the other it's version good. of myself would be at Taco Bell, like yeah. <laughs> just un- like yeah. unintentionally project and getting a Chalupa over there. You know, it's like, well, yeah. you know,
2: it's one thing where these events happen and, and the person, later find out about it and they don't know what they're talking about. It's yeah. another thing where if a person could control some kind of a thing where they can be active in two places at once and be aware of that. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh gosh. <laughs> you do, can you imagine? You, you could do laundry. You could go yep. to the grocery store. You, you get could so sit much on done the couch, get oh, so God. much done during the day.
0: Yeah. Like, it would almost be like that movie Multiplicity with uh, Michael Keaton, I believe, where exactly. he has like four different versions of himself. And one one does the housework and the yard work. One goes to his construction job. One is the awesome husband for the wife. And then the fourth one's a little off because he's like a copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a little slow. Yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. That's the one that took over.
0: And you're like, no, no, this is not how I wanted to go. <laughs> no, but, I love
1: that idea. Hey, me from Dimension A, I need you to go to work. Dimension B, stay home and edit podcasts.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then they'd be arguing over which, which version is the real one.
1: <laughs> right, You'd have to kill one. That's, we, we, we come back down to it. It's an age-old thing. Someone's going to have to in, be, be put back in their other dimension.
0: <laughs> you know, I got one here, uh, Padre Pio incident here. One of the most astonishing cases uh, was Padre Pio's appearance in the air over the San Giovanni Rotundo uh, during World War II. All right, so while southern Italy was actually uh, remained in in Nazi hands, uh, some American bombers were given the job of attacking the city of San Giovanni Rotondo. But uh, when they appeared over the city and prepared to unload their munitions, there was a brown robed friar appearing uh, in the sky right in front of the aircraft. So all attempts to release the bombs failed. And and in this way, you know, Padre Pio kept his promise uh, to the cit- to the citizens of that city that the town would be spared. And so later on, when an American airbase was established at uh, Fagia, just a few miles away, one of the pilots actually uh, it, that was involved with this incident, uh, he visited the friary and he found to his surprise that the little friar that he had seen in the air uh, was Padre Pio. Oh, so you talk about not only bi-locating, but homeboy was floating.
1: You know, if you're going to astral project, do it right. Don't be on a muddy horse. Be like Superman. Just, just, just fly.
0: <laughs> right. So in all my digging, I've, I found another story. Now, this one really kind of gave me goosebumps, guys. But it was uh, one of many stories on this particular website. But there was a, a teacher in France. Uh, her name was Emily Sa- uh, Saget. If I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. And it says that one of the fascinating reports of a doppelganger or by location comes from American writer Robert Dale Owen, uh, who recounted the tale of a 32 year old French woman named Ami- uh, Emily Saget. She was a teacher at, uh, at a school at, it was a girl's school near Walmart in what is now Latvia. Um, But one day in 1845, while she was writing on the blackboard inside the classroom, her exact double appeared right beside her. So the doppelganger precisely copied the teacher's every movement as she wrote. The only difference was that the doppelganger did not hold any chalk in her hand. Uh, 13 students in the classroom witnessed the event. So you got a lot of eyeballs to corroborate that this, in fact, was a true story. And during the next year, uh, the teacher's doppelganger was seen again several times. Uh, In fact, the most astonishing instance uh, took place in full view of the entire student body of 42 students, and it happened on a summer day in 1846. So as they were sitting there at the long tables working, they could see the teacher in the school's garden gathering flowers. And when the teacher left the room to, to talk to the headmistress, uh, the teacher's doppelganger appeared in the chair while the real um, Emily could still be seen in the garden. So they could see both versions of herself oh doing gosh. two different things. Uh, so two girls actually approached the phantom who was sitting in the chair in the classroom, and they tried to touch her, but they felt like an odd resistance in the air surrounding her body. Hmm. And then the image slowly vanished. Wow. That's just some brave girls right there.
1: I know, right? Go touch her. What gear <laughs> was this? Uh, That was 18, uh, 1846, man. You know, I love this stuff. I love hearing things like this where it's like we we have modern, I mean, science. And I was telling this to uh, uh, Jill a couple of days ago. It's like, it's funny how like the paranormal and science seem to be starting to kind of like meld together a little bit, you know? We're beginning to see explanation of of these things as we start to understand our, our our universe more and more. And so, this notion of like whether it's energy or your, your consciousness or a whole different dimension, it's it's uh, it's interesting that there's several people that all see this at any given time and then try to
0: like touch it and can't. It's just it's just great. It's weird, you know. However, you want to define spirituality, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you call that, it's kind of weird because. The further you tumble down the the scientific rabbit hole, you you almost end at a point of spirituality and vice versa. You go far enough down the spiritual rabbit hole looking for answers. You almost pop into the scientific realms because at one point the two kind of blur together. And it's like, what's, you know, what's, what's the difference? You know, they can, one explains the other in, in the strangest of ways, but these, you know, this by location stuff, I mean, I've been on the receiving end of a couple weird occurrences. If you guys don't mind me sharing this real quick, uh, I'll never forget this. Um, I had a client many years ago. This was when I first started giving psychic readings about 15 years ago. But this lady called to schedule an appointment with me. And, you know, we got her on the books. And and right before I hung up, she was like, oh, by the way, I wanted to thank you for what you did for me the other day. And I was perplexed. And I was like, "What, what do you mean? And she said, oh, when you change my tire on the side of the road. And I was like, "Come again?" Because you know anybody <laughs> who knows me, I'm the last person you want to help you change your tire. <laughs> right. Because at that point, I'm just assuming your car is meant to be a tricycle. Because I'm not, cha- I, I I couldn't figure it out to save my life. I'm just not mechanically inclined.
1: Andy has a compulsion of taking like bolts and like nuts, and he just takes them and throws them. Like it doesn't matter. Like he's just <laughs> like, eh, eh.
0: <laughs> they're <laughs> like, probably unimportant.
1: Like right. I need it though. <laughs> You're like,
0: eh. yeah, yeah. You don't want me near your tool to set. Parts. So I told this to the lady, I I told this to the lady and I said, I, I wasn't at that location. Like I've never, I've never met you before. She said, no, it was you. She said, it was you. You were wearing your, your trademark hat. Um, You, you know, I, I recognized your voice and I thought it was so crazy that, you know, you were there just as my car broke down and, and she claimed like I literally changed her tire. So something physically happened there. You know, she had a brand new wheel, you know, from her spare. She drove off. I waved goodbye in the rearview mirror, like it was a whole event. And I'm like, it never happened. And now I never got the vibe from the lady on the phone or in person that she was mentally unstable. She seemed, she was convinced it was me. right? Um, so apparently my doppelganger uh, left Taco Bell and was feeling, uh, you know, inspired enough to do some roadside, uh, you know, triple A work there. That's a, that's an insurance policy right there. It's like, forget all this, just get yourself
1: a, uh astral projected psychic Andy to come and change your tire. Why are you why are you
0: messing around? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's nice to know one version of myself uh can actually operate, you know, tools.
1: There you
0: um, go. <laughs> another weird occurrence happened just a couple of years ago. I remember it was during the during the pandemic. I got a call. I was driving around. It was, you know, during pandemic, so I'm just looking for anything to do to pass the time. So I'm, you know, feeling nostalgic and I'm driving around my old neighborhood uh down in North Omaha. And I get a call from Kenzie. Now, Kenzie's my ex-wife, the mother of my daughter. And she called and she said, hey, what wh- what are you doing at that uh, gas station out in Millard? You know, we just we just saw you there. But, you know, I, I don't I-, I don't live in that neck of the woods. You know, I'm in a different part of the city. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? I'm like 20 minutes away. I'm driving around the old neighborhood that I grew up in. Kenzie was like, no, we, we were out in Millard and we we saw you. You were pumping gas. You had a SUV, silver SUV with the Bigfoot stickers on the back window. You're wearing your hat. You're wearing the blue shirt that you always wear. Like it was, it was you, you know, we all saw it, you know, me, Joe, Sky. we all, we all saw you. Um, and, and she was adamant and I said, I don't know what to tell you. I haven't, I haven't been there. I've been, I haven't been there all day. I haven't been there all week. I, I haven't pumped gas lately. So again, it's one of those things, um, you know, you could lose sleep trying to explain it away or you can just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, well, I don't I don't know. So it's truly unexplained, you know, either that or just laws, you know, laws of you know mathematical probability. Maybe there is somebody in the city who drives the same colored vehicle with the same Bigfoot stickers who just so happens to have the same exact blue shirt and just so happens to wear the same old fashioned cap. But I, I almost feel like that's a bit of a stretch, right?
1: I mean, this is where skeptics would say, yeah, it's a stretch, but it's more of a stretch to say it's anything paranormal. But it's like, it's like, no, there's no one in this entire city that has that exact same setup. It's just not, it's just not a thing. There's no way, you know? And, and, uh, yeah, I look, you know, I, I applaud the, uh, attempt and people should, you should be critical of things. But also when you see someone and you know them, you're like, okay, I know that person. And you see them and then you know that that somehow,
0: odd that they're there doing the thing. I don't know.
1: I think it's, it's definitely and fascinating
0: to me. Yeah. And I remember I took a, it was either a selfie or just a, a picture, but I took a, a picture of where I was and I texted it to Kenzie just for proof. I'm like, there's no way you could have seen me at that gas station because that's a 20 minute drive away. And I took a picture of a street sign where I was at. I'm like, this is, this is where I'm, yeah. I'm at. I couldn't have been there. Yeah. Um, so it was odd. Um, One last by location, uh, you know, story kind of takes the cake and, and, in terms of, you know, hearing a story from a person that I, you know, personally know, uh, years ago, I was at a time travel convention. Did you guys know this? I went to a time travel convention. I
1: remember you mentioning this at least once.
0: Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a Star Trek, you know, or anything like that. It was, it was kind of more of like a spiritual retreat kind of deal, but the, it's like a three or four day event with keynote speakers. And it was, uh, kind of put on by a group of native americans and um you know it was kind of the inner circle could talk amongst themselves and it was recorded and then the audience would you know we could listen to the presentations it was cool but uh, every morning we would have breakfast and just as luck would have it my aunt and i we sat at the breakfast table every morning next to cynthia and she happens to be a a, you know a best-selling author and a Kind of a world-renowned, um, you know, expert in terms of consciousness and and things like that, and she shared a story that just kind of blew my hair back. She said that when she was a uh, teenager, 18, 19 perhaps, uh, she was heartbroken. She had she had just gotten her heart broken for the first time. Uh, you know, uh, somebody she thought would be the love of her life, and things just didn't shake out. And she was in her bedroom, laying on the bed, and she was crying and kind of grieving, and and suddenly. Her bedroom door opens up and in walks what she perceived to be an older version of herself. Uh, the older version looked maybe in, in their mid-30s, but she said it was her. It was exactly how she would look in the future. The older version of her never acknowledged the younger version of Cynthia that was on the bed. The older version, uh, 30-something-year-old, makes a beeline for the dresser, opens up the top dresser drawer, pulls out a, a love note. And it was actually a love note that Cynthia had written to this uh, person who had just broke up with her. So the the older version grabs the love letter, closes the dresser drawer, walks out of the bedroom door and closes the door behind her without so much as acknowledging younger Cynthia on the bed. Hmm. Thinking it was a a hallucination due to, you know, due to stress, uh, she walks up and opens her, her dresser drawer. And sure enough, the love letter was physically gone. Yeah. Um, It had been taken. Now, she wonders if, you know, and of course, this is a bi-location incident, but it almost crosses over into time travel. Uh, But she wonders if maybe, you know, being with that particular person was not part of her fate and destiny. Maybe had she given that love letter to the person, maybe they would have gotten back together and that would have altered a, a future that wasn't supposed to take place. Um, she never knew, but you know, come you know, fast forward when she was in her uh, mid thirties, sure enough, she grew to look exactly like that person who entered her bedroom, uh, leaving no doubt that it was in fact her future self. Wow. So, I don't know. It's 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 bizarre. It, time is funny, and you know, you get again down the quantum gopher hole of you know space and time, and how is it all intertwined, and what does it all mean, and how does it uh, play into the conversation of doppelgangers and by location, but you know, you have hundreds, if not thousands of incidents all over the world, people of all walks of life. And it, it just, it really does make you wonder if this is a legit phenomenon. I had, you could almost, you could almost call
1: it a more of a doppelganger thing, but I had almost the exact same thing happen um, with not my own eyes, but I was, uh, uh, I moved here. This is, uh, this is over 20 odd years ago, like 26 years ago now. I moved to Nebraska, I'd been here for maybe a few months, and I, so fresh, you know, not, you know, didn't make a lot of connections. And I lived in Lincoln at the time, and I had traveled to a small town uh, that was way out west doing some work, some survey work. And that night, you know, these small towns, uh, not just in Nebraska, but anywhere in these small towns, there may not even be a, a restaurant. It's like the local bar, and that's it. That, that That's where the restaurant is. And so we go to the local bar, And we hang out there, me and a couple of the other surveyors. And we're just sitting around. We are not from this town. No one's, you know, whatever, no connection to this town at all. And we're sitting there just talking. And the waitress comes over and she's like, you know, you know, hey, Dean, blah, 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 just talking to me. And I'm like looking at her for a second. And I just go, huh? (laughs) She's like, yeah, it's great to see you. It's been a while. You've been gone for a bit. And I'm like, I don't know you. (laughs) And she's like, what? And she's like kind of like like, Aren't you so-and-so Dean something or other? And I'm like, No, I'm Eddie. And she was like, Ah, what are you getting at, Dean? Like, she would not believe me that I was not this person. And then she goes over to the bar and tells other people, they all look at me and they come over and they're like, We can't believe you're not this person. You are you are this person. Like I had I mean, you know, I look like me, but you know, I don't think I'm a
2: you know, I don't know.
1: I mean, I have a distinctive look, maybe. I don't know. But this, the point is, like, they were convinced that I was this guy.
2: You are not leaving town until you become Dean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here's Dean's house key. There you go. Go inside. But they want, you owe me money. <laughs> like, Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my girlfriend. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Henceforth, Eddie shall be called Dean. The sins this is alternate Dean. ego.
1: I pay for Dean's sins. But uh, it was weird. And so we pay our bill, we leave. And as I'm leaving, I look back at everybody and they're watching out. The whole place is watching me leave. Just kind of <laughs> like with mouths open. Like, yeah, it was the craziest thing to this day. I think about it. I'm like, oh, so weird. I like, then they were convinced. She's like, even the way you move around, she's like, it's like, you are this guy. You're not. It was crazy. It was weird.
0: Well, they're probably thinking, "Why is Dean acting like Eddie? Like, why is Dean calling himself Eddie?" I know <laughs> Dean got hit
1: in the head. And he thought he was some whole other guy. It was nuts. But this whole this whole restaurant was convinced I was this person. And yeah,
0: it was nuts. You know, it's you know, it's most weird. Is you're you're kind of a unique character, Eddie. I don't know anybody else who looks like you or talks like you or acts like you. You're 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 one of a kind. So that's no, thanks, buddy. makes it even stranger. I guess. Yeah, it was
1: weird. It was
2: weird. Talking about that they didn't run you out of town or anything.
1: That's what I
0: was waiting
2: <laughs> for. Some guy pulls a gun off your car, back. he's
1: back. <laughs> this is how I kill you, Dean. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think that gets us uh, just about to the finish line. As right. always, uh, we want to say thanks to freesound.org for providing us with some of the music and sound effects for the show. You can uh, catch us on our social medias, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and we'll keep more episodes coming for you. You know, if you have a suggestion about a topic or a particular phenomenon that you would like to have us cover on the show, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to us because we're looking to really have more guests coming up in the coming weeks and months. And if you have a cool story to share, a Bigfoot sighting, a UFO Sighting uh, or anything anything odd or unusual, reach out to us at paranormaldads at gmail.com, and we can get that set up to have you on as a guest.
1: Yeah, and also, uh, like Andy said, uh, reach out to us any way you'd like. If you have any show ideas, questions, or, hey, if you want to order a T-shirt, trucker hat, stickers, whatever, just shoot us a message on one of our social medias uh, or our email address, and we can hit you with pricing for all that stuff. And be sure to uh, like, comment, and share our show with anybody you think who would like it uh, while you're in the podcast mood. uh, Feel free to check out uh, my other podcast, Dimensions, where we talk about all sorts of weird stuff. uh, And we try to put some entertainment bits in there, too, for you. So
2: there's that. All right. And don't forget Andy's uh, podcast, So Strange, with Lee Myers. Check it out on your uh, local podcast platforms.
0: That's right. We just uh, recently wrapped up the season three finale with uh, a handful of guests that covered uh, just about every weird subject imaginable. So uh, you can find So Strange on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, ca- we'll catch you next time. I'm looking at a video here of Eddie. You just put a pencil through your beard, homeboy. I did. Is that so you can't lose it?
1: I know know where it's at. I'm like, oh, there it
0: is. (laughs) And this is why you're not Dean. You're too weird to be a Dean, man. (laughs) Keep off my beard game, Dean.
1: (laughs) That's why I stole my pencils.
0: Thanks, everybody. Good night, Dean. Good night. I get it. She's like, take me to the zoo. Take me to the zoo, Dad. Dance for me, Father, for (laughs) I am bored. Welcome, everybody, to another riveting episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I made a sound. (laughs) What'd you do? Is that a burp?
1: I dropped a pencil on the thing.
0: (laughs) I messed it up. If a pencil falls on the floor and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Does it make a sound? The answer is yes. That's Pat's coughing up a lung. Uh, yeah, I know. he
1: took that opportunity,
0: and <laughs> he botched
1: it. So I'm gonna go ahead and cough.
2: My asthma's been asthma's been kicking. All right, my, butt
1: my apologies. No worries, right.
2: no worries. Here we go.